The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily express those held by this station or its advertisers and are strictly the opinions held by those contributing to the show. Welcome to the Eric Little High School Football Podcast, your home for news, discussion, and opinions about high school football in the Mid-Ohio Valley. And now, here's your host, Eric Little. Welcome inside another edition of the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. I am the namesake. Happy to have you with us for another week. This is Season 4, Episode 4. If you haven't already done so, like the show on Facebook at the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Rate us and review us. Download us and subscribe on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Two episodes drop each Wednesday. This is a podcast about high school football in the Mid-Ohio Valley with both West Virginia and Ohio content. Primarily West Virginia, but we've got some Ohio, including later on in this episode. We'll talk to Mike Flannery, the head coach of the River Pilots. We talked a lot about Ohio last week, so if you're into Ohio stuff, you can go back and find episode three if you haven't already done so. We'll also have some thoughts on the schedules of the area schools, and we'll hear from some head coaches in our high school football preseason preview series that aired on our Light Rock 93, our Facebook page. Again, looking at some news and notes really quickly, scrimmages were a little impacted this year by heat and COVID issues. I know there were a couple of them that did not happen because of excessive heat, particularly in the Kanoa Valley. Heat in indexes necessitated the cancellations there, and I think there were at least one or two that might have been COVID-impacted as well. Many of them went off without a hitch. First two scrimmages teams were able to have this year. I talked to Coach Rick Hott of Ritchie County about this. You know, what's the difference in the first scrimmage to the second scrimmage? What are you looking for? And to sum up what he said, it, it basically is a measuring stick. It's just two different points in the preseason where you can measure teams' progress between where you started and where you need to be before opening day. Some of those teams will have to scramble a little bit with one fewer scrimmage. Some scramble to find a scrimmage to replace the one they lost, but other teams will have to scramble and do more or get more out of that second scrimmage if they're going to be where they want to be by opening day. Taking a look around the area, the high school football preseason preview series visited seven schools since we last talked. Defending Class A champion St. Mary's is a team that's got a lot of turnover this year. Of course, quarterback Brennan Boron is leaving, and St. Mary's remains unsettled at the quarterback position. But as far as head coach Jody Moat goes, this is something he's not had to deal with in a while. In my 20 years as a head coach, in 26 coaching the sport of football, 10 offensive positions that you're having to, to find replacements for and then on defense, um, eight defensive positions that we're having to try, try to find uh, replacements for. So, not just the quarterback position, but yeah. it's an extremely big-time task force. I've never experienced that much turnover. That's St. Mary's head coach Jody Moat. Just because he doesn't have a lot of seniors on the team doesn't mean there aren't some leaders on the squad. Riley Bowley comes to my mind, you know, because he's offensive uh, player force defensive player force, uh, Wyatt Norman. Wyatt Norman played uh, defensive end force, played center force, started as a sophomore. You know, our plan is to move into the skill position this year. And then uh, Cody Hauser. Cody Hauser played uh, defensive line force, which he'll still do offensively. Hope, you know, but if we don't play him at the skill position, he'd be in line. But uh, those are the three guys that are in my opinion, that, that return as far as starting game in and game out. Moving on, Tyler Consolidated has a tough schedule once again, but head coach Ryan Walton says that's the way he'd like it to be. I believe that, you know, I play a tough schedule, and, uh, you know, if we make the playoffs, you know, we finish up 6-4, and 7-3, and three and get in the playoffs, we deserve to be in there. If we go in, get in the playoffs at 8-2, and 9-1, and one, well, you look at our schedule, we're pretty good, we should make some noise. That's the way it was when I started, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy with that, and I want to keep, I would like 
the competition. It's just something that you know. Like you said, you play for Tyler, you will play a tough schedule. That's head coach Ryan Walton. His son Ty is playing fullback this season, and when he's not playing football, he's still playing baseball. He had a very strong season last spring. He's playing baseball on Sundays on a travel ball team. That'll be taking place throughout, and he'll be primarily pitching for that team. So that'll be fun to see how he's able to juggle both of those sports. Moving on to Ritchie County, Rick Hot says despite the way last year ended, he still has good memories and nothing but good memories from last season. I look back at last fall at the way the season ended, and I, I only have good memories. It was disappointing the way it ended. It was disappointing that we couldn't carry it through, but nothing but the, the best memories of the way our kids went to Greenbrier West and played that game. It was a hard-fought game, physically, extremely physical, and and we, we played an excellent second half. And so very much enjoyed that. And then, uh, as, we, as we mentioned, this is a large group of seniors for me. I mean, we got 12, and, and many of them had a lot to do with that win last year. And so that season ended, and we had a, a good summer, a good weightlifting summer, and it's just kind of been a springboard into this fall. That's Richie County head coach Rick Hot. One of the side benefits from their playoff run is that they were able to develop some valuable players for this year, including players like Marlon Moore and Tristan Janini, who will step in and play on the defensive side of the ball. They were pressed into service because of injuries during the playoffs last year, but their preparation have been weeks in the making. And I think that's a testament to a, a player that's willing to work the entire season because, especially with Tristan being a freshman, he was working hard every day, but because he was a freshman, that all started to translate into being able to play at this level by the end of the year. And so, you know, sometimes kids come in and say, ah, I'm not going to get on the field, I'm not going to work hard. Testament to them of them coming in, working and being ready so when they were called, they were ready to step in and, and, and give us some good minutes. Perhaps one of the more intriguing teams to watch this year is Parkersburg South. After an 11 and Two year in 2019, they fell to one and seven in the pandemic affected 2020 season. The Patriots return a lot of talent though, and the guy to watch is going to be Cyrus Traw, a man who'll have many positions this season for Nathan Tanner's Patriots. Cyrus this summer, he's he's proven that he is uh, he is a special special slot receiver. You know, we're going to be moving him around. Uh, quite a bit. You might you might see him in the backfield some. Um, he'll be catching, you know, screens, running jet sweeps. We'll be taking shots down the field with him. He'll be in the intermediate passing game. I mean, just kind of all over the place. And uh, you know, he he did a phenomenal job this summer, growing as as a receiver and getting better. So uh, he's a special, talented kid. That's Parkersburg South head coach Nathan Tanner. After graduating quarterback Sam Schuler from last year, there's still a toss up over who'll play quarterback in 2021. We have a quarterback battle going on right now with Robert Shockey and Turner Garrison and I was telling the coaches the other day as a, as a coach that's going to be one of the toughest decisions that myself and our staff has had to make probably in the 11 years I've been coaching in regards to you know that position because you put both of those kids at another school and they, they're probably plenty able to to be a starter right. so um it may come down to we, we may end up using both of them at some point, but they've both been competing really well this summer, and uh, I think both of them have matured, and they've really grown a lot. It's it's crazy at practice to see them do some things, and I check myself. I'm like, man, they're only sophomores. <laughs> so I think whoever does get the job will, 
will do a good job. And obviously, as the head coach, I hope that whoever doesn't get it, you know, continues to keep growing and uh, they'll still get a lot of reps in practice and be our JV starter. And, you know, it'll be just kind of a next man up mentality if something were to happen. One thing is for certain on the south side, the offensive line is a lot better than last year's unit and a lot stronger, too. This is the most physically strong offensive and defensive line that we've had since I've been here in three years. Uh, we have good size, and when I say that, I'm talking kids that are, we have several kids that are over 260 pounds. Another team looking for bigger things in 2021 is Payton City. The Wildcats were limited to just two games last year because of numbers and issues to participation. New head coach Robert Price is hoping that they'll have the numbers to stick it out throughout the season. We were only allowed to play um, two games due to um, participation within football at our school here in Payton City. We just didn't have the interest, but if we were to, to even backtrack this a little bit further, um, once COVID kind of came about here, not only America, but specifically here in West Virginia, and our schools began to close and stuff in that early spring, our offseason program was up and running up until those doors closed. And once things began to pick up in the summer, um, before the season began, once you know we were permitted to hold practices and sessions and stuff, we had a difficult time uh, bringing those kids back to be a part of this team. So that kind of led to us struggling a little bit last year in the season of 2020. And that, that I think, was the biggest issue as far as our numbers and, and why we were not able to really have a full season in regards to participation. Um, right now, we have 15 kids. We did have 16, but one decided to uh, go off and have a non-football-related injury. So that's going to take a toll on us, and that was uh, that's going to be a big hit. But I think we have a couple of kids ready to go and step up in that place. That's Peyton City head coach. Robert Price, as far as team goals go, how about just playing 10 games? That's a start. We'll take anybody on this team that wants to play football that's a student at Payton City. But moving forward, I think that that's a huge team goal, and I think that's an attainable team goal. 15, 16 guys, that's who we've had, but those 15, 16 guys have been in here all throughout the summer preparing their minds and their bodies for this upcoming season, and I think we can finish a 10-game season with the kids that we have here. And I think if we do that, that's going to be considered a check in the box for success. Moving into Ohio, River starts their season this week with a Thursday night home tilt against Bel Air. That game will air on WTOV Channel 9 in the northern Panhandle area and possibly online at WTOV's website. And I believe it'll be the first time that River has hosted a game on television. Head coach Mike Flannery says the pilots have already suffered some early season adversity in the scrimmages. Unfortunately, on one of the scrimmages, we, we lost a very good football player in Ty Long who's going under surgery. He's a junior who's worked very hard all summer. Going under surgery uh, August the 23rd, so we're wishing Ty the best. He's worked really hard. I hope he's rehabilitated so he can, uh, you know, start basketball when basketball starts. He's won a coach Romick start in five, and so we're going to miss Ty, and he's hard to replace. So we're going to put some people there. We're moving some things around. But uh, oh, where did he play? Well, he's a defensive end yeah. and one of our receivers, and also a running back slashed a little bit of everything. By losing Ty, we lost also not the physicality of him, but the knowledgeable. He was very knowledgeable, understood what we were doing. That's River head coach Mike Flannery. The Pilots went on a playoff run last year, and ironically, it was the loss to Shady Side that seemed to give his team the most confidence. I think the confidence came in a Shady Side game, even though we got beat by two points, and it was uh, some missed opportunities for us to win that game, but we didn't. And then later on, we played Eastern and Waterford and two good football teams and really played well. And and then, of course, we were eliminated after that. But 
with everything going on last year and our, our kids just just rose to the occasion and, and, and did well and, and hopefully that stuff has gone away and we don't have to go through that. The bad for River is that they did suffer a lot of losses to graduation last year, but the good is that they have a strong senior class and a big junior class behind that group to help bolster his squad. We lost three All-Staters from last year, so we're replacing seven guys on defense and seven guys basically on offense, and we're looking forward to that. We have some really good senior leadership. You know, I'm excited to see what 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 happens in this first game. It's going to be, you know, they, they say we're full of tricks, and you can't win games like this with trickery. Uh, they're very well coached at, at Bolero with Coach Bigarelli, and and I told our kids they're not going to beat us with trickery. It's going to be fundamentally sound game, and and. and you know, get the jitters out after the first play and we'll be okay. Moving across the river to the Magnolia Blue Eagles, hopes are high in Blue Eagle land as head coach Dave Chapman has a senior-laden squad and it's a squad led in the backfield by the running back duo of Caden Johnson and Marcus Barnes. The two running backs we have are, are I'm excited about these two guys, Marcus Barnes and Caden Johnson. They're mere images of each other, six foot, 200 pound kids. They put a lot of time on the track. You know, they ran the track. They worked hard this summer. The game of football is one loss of line scrimmage, and you got to be able to run the ball. Mm-hmm. you got to be able to stop the run, which we feel, you know, those are two keys going into any season. But we feel we got a pretty good duo back here in Johnson and Barnes. Before, we would rest one, play one, rotate, alternate. But this year, Coach Chapman and myself and the other coaches, are, you got to keep these guys on the field together. So we... The imagination there, not a whole lot. Doesn't take a, a sign, mad science to figure out. You know, when you got two out there, you can't key on one. So. Yeah. Johnson and Barnes are, are key, but it starts up front. That's Magnolia head coach Dave Chapman. The Blue Eagles have had a couple rough years, but that doesn't mean that there are high expectations for this season. And with a senior-laden group, they're thinking playoffs in New Martinsville. Yeah, we talk playoffs. It's a playoff team. I'd be... How about just saying that? I mean, you know, we've had a couple down years, you know, last couple years. And these kids are part of it, and I think they're ready to change some things a little bit. And that's, you know, coming back like we used to be, you know, winning games and uh, getting ready to play that second you know, second week in November. So there you have it, the entirety of our preseason preview series. You can find the full collection of 11 coach interviews on our Facebook page, Light Rock 93R. You can go back and watch those, share those with as many people as you can to get excited for this year's football season. Stay connected with us on Facebook. Like our page, the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. While you're there, feel free to share your comments or questions. Eric will get to those on a future edition of the show. Let's go between the hash marks now and take a look at teams and their skills schedules in this area. We didn't really get a chance to do a lot on last year's program with schedules because even before the season started, you could just tell that schedules were going to change a lot and there was not going to be a whole lot of sanctity in the piece of paper that was in your hands at the beginning of August as compared to the piece of paper that was in your hands completed at the end of October or November in some cases. And the prime example of that would be the opener that I did last year with Parkersburg South and Cabell Midland. Cabell Midland woke up that day, drove to Fairmont for a scrimmage with Fairmont Senior. Nobody that was saw on that Cabell Midland team that day thought they would be playing in a varsity football game that night at the Erickson All Sports Facility. They got to Fairmont after university couldn't play. A phone call was made. University was on their way to Parkersburg, found out they couldn't play. And then the next thing you know, it's Parkersburg South and Cabell Midland. 
as I kept saying, on my way out of the stadium that night, Cabo Midland wakes up headed toward Fairmont. Their heads hit the pillows that night, and they're 1-0 with a win in Parkersburg. That is Exhibit A, the only exhibit you need about how zany the schedules went last year, but hopefully we'll have a little bit more normalcy with this year's schedule. I know, knock on wood, go <laughs> find something. But we're going to give some awards here later on for schedules, but before we get into that, I want to give one game each team needs to win if the season is to go the way that they want. I'm not saying that they need to win this to get into the playoffs. Not all these teams have legitimate shots to go to the playoffs. I'm not even going to say these are must-win games because I'm a little bit particular. Not as bad as some, but I'm a little bit particular about the use of the phrase must-win unless it is a game you absolutely need in order to not be eliminated from the playoffs. It's not a must-win game, but these are games that can be pivotal. Some of them are early in the season. Many of them are early in the season. A couple of them are late, but they're pivotal in framing the season and the framing the narrative for these teams. I'm going to start with Williamstown, and this one's an early season matchup. They're first road game of the year, the Yellow Jackets go on the road to Warren Local September 3rd. Warren is an emerging team under head coach Matt Kimes in his second season out there. They are building, they're growing, they're getting back to the Warren that I grew up remembering in the 90s, a team that was very strong every year. They weren't really a powerhouse in the playoffs. They got in regularly and did their best, but they were always competitive against teams they played in this area, and they routinely crossed into West Virginia to play a lot of teams in this area. But they've fallen on some hard times. They've gone through several coaches in the last few years. Kimes is hoping to bring some regularity to that team and a big next step for that group with Williamstown coming in on September the 3rd and pick up a win against the Yellow Jackets. Remember, Ohio is one week ahead, so that is only Williamstown's second game, their first on the road, and it will be Warren's third game this season. So Williamstown, if they don't watch out, they could be ripe for the picking in their second game of the season by that Warren local squad who's going to be feeling themselves a little bit after a strong couple seasons under Matt Kimes. Things are on the upward tick out at Warren High School and Williamstown had better watch out. They start with Waterford Ohio, which is a game I thought about circling on this list. But after Waterford and Warren, it's Ravenswood, who's been down a little bit in the last couple years. Buffalo's got some improving numbers. They're hoping to get back to being a playoff team. And then there's the game against St. Mary's that you always mark on the schedule. A double-A contest in Weir. And then a strong finish with Tyler Consolidated Fort Fry, Doddridge County, and Magnolia. A couple playoff teams sandwiched into a couple teams who would like to be playoff teams and are probably better than they were last year. So not an easy schedule at all for Williamstown. We'll get into their schedule a little bit more later. But if uh, they don't get that win against Warren, they could go to 0-2. I'm not saying that they'll lose to Waterford, but they could go 0-2. So I think the Warren game is going to be very pivotal either way, whether they beat Waterford or not in the opener. I think they've got to have that Warren game and at the very least split those first two, uh, if not sweep them, or else the season could get a little bit out of hand for the Yellow Jackets. Moving on to Tyler Consolidated. They have a killer start to the season. Two playoff teams at Ritchie County and then at home against Doddridge County for the home opener on September 3rd. But the one I've got circled is at South Harrison on September 10th. The Silver Knights need to go into Lost Creek and get a confidence-building win there, play a strong game against South Harrison. They've got Calhoun County after, then Work County was a playoff team. Buffalo, Williamstown, Magnolia Valley, a team that figures to be better from what I've heard than where they were last year, and then St. Mary's to finish up. So there are wins on this schedule, but Tyler Consolidated really has to take a big step against South Harrison and get that win. If you're Tyler Consolidated, a dream scenario would be to split those first two with either Richie or Doddridge County. I don't know that they win them both. Uh, maybe a split if you get really lucky and play really well. But either way, if you don't, if you're 0-2 going into that South 
comparison game. That is a game you really have to have, or else things go off the rails in a hurry in Kidwell. For St. Mary's, the defending Class A state champions, it's a tough schedule up front. Roan County's improved. That's the home opener. They go to Ravenswood. Never an easy place to play. They're off, and then at Ritchie County. That Ritchie County team is loaded for bear, and they are going to have St. Mary's in their crosshairs in that game. You think that a lot of those feelings from last year, not getting to play the state championship, are going to resurface? Those will definitely bubble up, and St. Mary's had better be ready to take Ritchie County's best shot. Maybe best that they've got two weeks to prepare for this one. It's not going to be an easy one on September 17th when St. Mary's comes calling in Ellenboro. Speaking of Ritchie County, the game I've got circled is Doddridge County. It's their fourth game of the year, but their first road game. They start with three consecutive home games with a bye week sprinkled in. They don't go on the road until September 24th and at Doddridge County, where they'll look to avenge a loss from the year before. That's two playoff teams with Wahama and a bye week sandwich in the middle for Ritchie County as they'll open against Tyler Consolidated, and they play that matchup with St. Mary's on September 17th. But Ritchie and Doddridge County is going to be a big litmus test, I think, for both of those teams to see where their programs are going to be in 2021. Moving to the big school ranks, Parkersburg South has a number of games I could circle on this schedule. I'm going to cheat and go with a couple. I think their home opener on September 10th is one they need to have because they've got a tough opener at Capitol and they go to university the following week. And that's another situation where you would be very happy to come away with those two road games with a split, though you'd like them both. If you're 0-2, you vitally need to win at home against a Woodrow Wilson team that'll have a quarterback back in Maddox McMillan. He's improved. The team figures to be improved and continuing on the upward tick. So if you're 0-2, you definitely are going to have to have that one. Even if you're 1-1, it would be nice to have with Parkersburg on the road the following week. So say they survive the first six games of their season and are treading water, maybe even 2-4. and four. Another one I've got circled is October 15th at Morgantown. Morgantown was a good team last year. They just didn't get the time to coalesce and put it all together before the playoffs hit. They got a late start last year because of COVID. I think they were definitely better than some of the 16 teams that made it in Class AAA. They just did not have the time to get that signature win to build up the points that they would need. Morgantown, they still return some key players from that team, and that's a road game for Parkersburg South. With two of the last three at home, Parkersburg South would definitely be well-suited if they can go on the road and pick up that October 15th win. It'll definitely bode well for the end of their season. Speaking of the Big Reds, PHS has three of their first four at home. Uh, They go on the road to Huntington, then a three-game homestand with Spring Valley Capital and Parkersburg. I've got game seven circled. That's an October 8th tilt on the road at South Charleston. There are some wins in the first six games of the schedule, and they should be favored in most of the games they'll play, but it's not out of the woods that this PHS team could be 4-2 and two or even 3-3 three and three coming into that South Charleston game and still be having a pretty good season. But the back half of that schedule has a couple wins there. They go on the road to South Charleston against the defending state champion. That will not be an easy task. After an open week, they're at Riverside and then they'll host George Washington before finishing on the road at Musselman. The back half of their schedule, I think, is going to be dictated one way or another by that South Charleston matchup on October 8th. Payton City, they're back this year. They start with three consecutive road games and then they're at home against Trinity Christian but the one I've got circled is September 24th on the road at 100. 100 has struggled to have numbers. There have been a couple years where they haven't had football because they didn't have the numbers to do so. It's a very small community, though they're very proud at 100. That's a school that if you're Peyton City, you really need to be trying to beat and you really need to feel you've got a good chance against 100. With Calhoun County looming after that, Bellsville on the schedule teams that have struggled with numbers and uh, struggled to be competitive in the last few years, that could be the start of a of a nice mid-season run for Payton City. 
The Magnolia Blue Eagles have seven playoff teams on their schedule, and the one where they go on the road out of the first half of the season is the one I've got circled. Magnolia will play all five of their home games in the first six weeks of the year, but I've got at Wirt County circled. Wirt County had some veterans that they graduated last year, and they're looking to reload a little bit. They made it to the playoffs last year in Jason Hickman's second stint in Elizabeth. They'll start at home against Ravenswood, but then if they can go on the road at Wirt County and pick up a win and go no worse than 1-1, one and one, if not 2-0 and oh into that four-game homestand, they could do some damage there. They'll have River, Cameron, Monroe Central, and Union Local in those four games. A couple of those could be wins, maybe even three, and if you're lucky, all four, and then who knows what happens for this Magnolia squad. Going back into Ohio, Marietta plays a different-looking schedule this year. Their team has always been shuffling teams of various sizes on and off their schedule, trying to get things going, trying to figure out conference affiliations. Of course, they just joined the OVAC this week. That's some news that we talked about last week on the program. But the one I've got circled is their second game of the year. It is at River. That's a different matchup. Marietta at River. I think it shows you some of the changing ecology of both the football programs in this area and the population centers in this area. Though Hannibal and the northern Ohio Valley population is not really getting any bigger. That's a community that's invested in that football program and the school system has invested in that program as well. The facility has been upgraded whereas Marietta has remained about the same size for most of the last few decades, though some industry has left. However, the football program has just never managed to pick up traction there. So on paper, these are two different sized communities, vastly different sized communities. But the Marietta football program and the River football program, the pendulum swings a different direction. River is probably the team you'd favor in this game, although it'll be a a tough one for the pilots as well with all they'll have to replace. So I've got Marietta and River circled, and Marietta having River circled is the game that they're going to have to have early on. They start with New Philly, by the way, and then Athens after after that, and charter school out of D.C., Ripley on the schedule to follow for Marietta. There are some wins out there, and it's not inconceivable that they could go 6-4, and 5-5, and 4-6. and six. They'll likely be somewhere in that neighborhood this year. So Marietta, the tone will be set early on, August 27th against River. And remember, that's August 27th. But because Ohio opens this weekend, that'll be Marietta's second game. And what about those River Pilots? Again, they open Thursday the 19th against Bel Air. So if you're listening to this late, we might be talking to you after River is already played a game. And if you're listening to this sometime Thursday afternoon, you might be able to find that online at WTV's website or Channel 9 if you're up the river from us. The game I've got circled for the River Pilots doesn't come until Game 5. That is Shadyside. Shadyside is September 24th. The game where Mike Flannery says they got so much confidence last year, the team that beat them and knocked them out of the playoffs, no less. They've got Shadyside this year. They're at home against Shadyside. It'll be one of their home games to start the season. They've got a lot of them to start the season. They've got Bel Air at home, Marietta at home. They go across the river to play Magnolia and then Barnesville's on the road, but they're back home for Shadyside, and that should be a strong run for the River Pilots. Shadyside, again, with last year's history, uh, the way those programs have lined up over the years, uh, that's one that River is going to want to have. And they'll be ready to go with memories of last year fully formed. And how about the Frontier Cougars to wrap up? Frontier starts off this year with a matchup against Bridgeport on August 20th. They'll host Payton City and then travel to Bellsville, but the one after that, September 10th against Cameron because Dave Chapman touched on this when we talked to him earlier. His Magnolia schedule has seven playoff teams on it. One of the teams that didn't make it that he's got is the Cameron Dragons at 4-3. and three. Frontier was a playoff team and won in the playoffs for the first time in school history, but Cameron is knocking at the doors of going to the playoffs in West Virginia. They were strong last year. They return a lot. That September 10th matchup is going to tell us a lot about both Frontier and Cameron. And now, without any further ado, we present to you our 
first ever Eric Little High School Football Podcast Schedule Awards. The award for most difficult schedule this year. We had a couple good picks. Williamstown, of course, a good option with those three Ohio schools, including perennial favorite Fort Fry. Playoff teams on the West Virginia side, including defending state champion St. Mary's and Doddridge County, plus an improving Magnolia squad. Also, Tyler Consolidated up there as well because they will play Magnolia. They'll play Williamstown, Ritchie County, Doddridge County, St. Mary's, you name it. But our pick, drumroll please. Actually, the pick is Magnolia. Magnolia is our pick for most difficult schedule this year. As I said earlier, seven playoff teams, plus an improving Cameron team that went 4-3 and three and just missed last year, and a Tyler Consolidated team that figures to be better than what they were a year ago as well. So Magnolia, those seven playoff teams and improving teams, otherwise most difficult schedule this year. We move now to the schedule best designed for success. Not necessarily the easiest schedule, but it's the one that's set up to help the team that's playing the schedule. Drum roll, please. I will skip it this time. It's Ritchie County. After three of their first four against some difficult teams, they'll open up with Tyler Consolidated. Not a slam dunk opener, though they are at home. And then a bye week, and then a home game against Wahama, and then back-to-back games against playoff teams. St. Mary's at home, the defending champions, and on the road at Doddridge County. Things get a little bit better for Ritchie County with Ravenswood, South Harrison, Webster, Wirt, Gilmer, and Calhoun. Of those schools, only Wirt County, a playoff school a year ago. So there's some really winnable games during the back half of the schedule. You're getting the tougher teams if you're Richie in a year where they haven't had the time to fortify to play you, and they're a little bit reloading, especially if you're St. Mary's. If you're Richie County, you've got a veteran squad coming back. You want St. Mary's early in the season before they have a chance to develop some skill and develop some experience. So Richie County's got St. Mary's right where they want them, and probably Doddridge, too. Uh, and then if you get out of that unscathed, you can spend the back half of that schedule developing depth and maybe healing some guys up for the playoffs. So I really like how Richie County's schedule is set after three of those first four against some tough teams, not slam dunks there, especially not that back-to-back stretch in late September of St. Mary's and Doddridge County. Things get a good deal better for the Ritchie County Rebels. Most intriguing schedule? I'm going to go back a page and go to St. Mary's because they've got some good teams on this schedule, including Ritchie County, Williamstown, and how about a trip to East Hardy against a perennial favorite? Improving teams like Magnolia and Tyler Consolidated, as well as Roan County. This is just an intriguing schedule with a lot of toss-ups. They open up at home against a Roan County team that I've heard is a lot better than they were last year. Like I said, Magnolia and Tyler Consolidated both figured to be stronger than they were last year. A late season trip to East Hardy that comes in the middle of a Final Four with their home three of those last four. But St. Mary's goes from August 27th to October 1st without playing a home game. They don't play a September home game this year. There's a bye weekend there. Trips to Ravenswood, Ritchie, and Calhoun. So for the Blue Devils, if they get off to a rough start this year, if they stumble out of the gate against Roan County, they're not going to be back home until Williamstown. So things get difficult and they get difficult quickly for this Blue Devil team. The degree of difficulty on this schedule can be challenging, but there are some wins out there. This is a team that can go 5-5 five and five or 6-4 and four with this schedule, and if they pick off somebody, especially Roan County, as they come into the Class AA team and bring in AA points, or if they go on the road and pick off East Hardy, this could be a St. Mary's team that's built for some success and built for a playoff run. And our final award is a special one, the Picasso Award, the most creative schedule. I went with Payton City. they got some really interesting matchups this year. The challenge for Robert Price as athletic director is to build a schedule when you didn't play football last year. How do you get teams to come and play you or to let you come and play them when you only play two games and there's no guarantee you'll get to 10 this year? They've got 15 players as we tape this now, and they hope to get 10 games in. And I think we should all hope for that for them. I think we would all like to see football stay solvent up there and Peyton City remain 
able to play. I mean, I'm always going to root for participation, so I don't think that's anything that's throwing a particular bias anyway or another. Uh, it's a little bit of a rugged schedule, though. They only were able to get four home games. Again, they didn't play but the two games last year, so they got four home games this year. They're on the road six times, including three of the first four. But there are some really good matchups for them numbers-wise. They'll go to Montcalm, which is a bit of a trip, but that's a school that plays on a competitive level the same way that they do. So does 100 on their schedule. They've been wanting to get Calhoun on the schedule for a long time. They got him this year. Bellsville is a team that struggled with numbers lately. Valley is a good nearby Wetzel County opponent that should be improved, so it'll be a challenge in Week 11 for Peyton City. They go to Webster County and play Webster County. Trinity Christian is a home game for Peyton City. So there are some games that might not be amongst teams that are close proximity-wise, but there are some games on that schedule against some teams that match up with them from a roster size standpoint, a skill standpoint, and a program size standpoint. So I think that's been an interestingly constructed schedule for Robert Price, the football coach, because of Robert Price's work as athletic director. So the Casa Award goes to Peyton City for cobbling together this schedule this season. Our statewide correspondent, Taryn Malone, has the week off. He is a junior at WVU and entering his junior year. His first day of classes is this week, and we wish him the best. I know he's got a lot going on and is busy, but we'll have him back next week. Our games of the week to keep an eye on. How about those Ohio openers? Marietta faces New Philadelphia. They're at home to do so. River hosts Bel Air on Thursday night. And again, as we said a couple times, that game is being aired up the river on WTOV Channel 9 and online, I would imagine, at their website. You might want to look into their website, see if you can find that. That's a Thursday night game. So if you're listening to this on Wednesday or sometime early in the day, Thursday, you can find that there. And then Frontier is at home against Bridgeport. We'll keep an eye on those three. Our Ohio openers as Marietta faces New Philadelphia, River takes on Bel Air, and Frontier takes on Bridgeport. Next week, we'll have the West Virginia openers to look at and get our eye on the West Virginia teams for the first time this season. Many of those teams will be in action scrimmage-wise over the weekend, and maybe we'll hear some reports on those. Listen to us each week on SoundCloud. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, download as well, uh, rate us and review us always appreciate the feedback next week we'll have those west virginia openers plus Terrence back as well and we're looking forward to that also thank you for joining us this week my name is eric little we appreciate your support of the podcast if you haven't already done so like us at the eric little high school football podcast on facebook and we'll talk to you next week with another edition of the show so long everybody this has been the eric little high school football podcast don't forget to like us on facebook and vote in our weekly poll come back next week for another new episode and thanks for listening